Hello, and welcome to the Space Weather Facts and Forecast podcast. I'm Isaac Brigham, amateur space weather enthusiast, and I'll be giving you the current space weather conditions, a forecast for the upcoming week, and telling you all about a fascinating space weather phenomenon. Stay tuned. The sun has really been upping the ante lately. Many large active regions and flares have been appearing in the last couple of weeks. Two sunspot groups, ARs 3363 and 3372, currently dominate the sun, although there are five other smaller ones as well. If you have a pair of eclipse glasses, take a look. The two groups should both be barely visible to the unaided eye. AR3363, classified as Beta Delta, is in the southwest quadrant of the solar disk and is beginning to turn away from Earth. While it is large and fairly complex, it has been inexplicably quiet during its transit across the sun. However, it seems to have quite recently gained complexity and begun to flare, of course only once it left the Earth's strike zone. AR3372, in the northeast quadrant, is just entering the Earth's strike zone. This AR rotated over the east limb a few days ago with a bang, producing an M6.97 flare, as well as other smaller M flares, none of which were Earth-directed at all. It is still crackling with low-level M-class flares, although it has not yet triggered an Earth-facing CME. The other active regions on the disk are currently small and not complex, and do not pose a flare threat. All in all, there is a good chance that we will continue to see low-level M-flares over the next few days up to a week, and stronger, greater than M5 flares, even into the X range, would not be shocking. All of these flares would have a good chance of being Earth-facing. The current geomagnetic conditions are quiet. We are at a KP1, with moderately weak solar wind data. No storming for now. There was a forecast for a G1 storm on July 14th, due to a CME from a filament eruption on the 11th. While we did see a CME arrive on the 14th, it was much weaker than expected, and only resulted in a brief KP4. There are no known storms on their way to Earth at this moment, and so the geomagnetic forecast remains quiet. It is very possible, though, that AR3372 could produce an Earth-facing eruption, which would then cause storm conditions here at Earth. We will simply have to watch and wait. Thanks for listening to the forecast. Now it's time to talk about this week's featured space weather phenomena. In this episode, I'll be looking at somewhat of a different topic from normal, the history of space weather. Now of course, space weather has been around for as long as the sun has, so I won't be talking about the history of it itself, but more the history of our observations and forecasting of it. One of the first to kickstart the field of space weather was German naturalist Alexander von Humboldt. In 1808, he observed magnetic compass needles being deflected from reading north, and realized that that deflection was happening at the same time as he saw aurora. He published a paper reporting his findings, calling it a magnetic storm. Other English observations of magnetic telegraph needle movements at the same time as aurora confirmed this connection. Heinrich Schwab discovered the solar cycle when he observed sunspots almost daily from 1825 to 1843. He realized that they followed a close to 10-year pattern of increase and decrease. Next in the field, Edward Sabine spent much time analyzing geomagnetic disturbances. 
1852, he realized that these disturbances, as well as auroral displays and sunspots, all followed the same roughly 10-year cycle. Sabine is often credited as the first to discover the solar-terrestrial relationship. The next major figure in the space weather field was Richard Carrington. In 1859, Carrington was observing a large sunspot group when he saw a white band or arch forming across the spots. He correctly interpreted this as a white light flare. A white light solar flare occurs when a flare is strong enough that some of its energy is emitted in the visible spectrum, as well as the usual x-rays. About 18 hours after Carrington saw the solar flare, an intense geomagnetic storm arrived at Earth. The storm is now known as the Carrington event, and it reportedly created currents in the telegraph system that set telegraph paper on fire as well as gave operators shocks, while aurora was seen in Hawaii, Mexico, southern Japan, and China, and possibly even as far south as Colombia. This was the first time that an observation of solar activity was directly correlated with geomagnetic activity. The first published space weather prediction was made by Royal Observatory at Greenwich member William Ellis in 1879. He had observed several solar cycles and understood the relationship between sunspot activity and magnetic storms at Earth. He also knew that strong enough magnetic storms could induce currents in the telegraph system, as demonstrated in the Carrington event. And so he made a prediction warning telegraph operators that the next solar maximum would be in 1882, and that they should begin taking appropriate precautions. His forecast turned out to be off by two years, as the real max occurred in 1884. However, it was still quite an accomplishment for his time. 1928 saw the first space weather radio forecast. It had been known for some time that space weather had an effect on radio propagation, and so in 1928, in order to aid radio operators around the world, the Union Radio Scientifique Internationale, or URSI, started sending out daily bulletins concerning space weather and radio conditions. Americans realized the value of these messages and began to send out their own in 1929, not simply rebroadcasting the URSI bulletins, but using their own data. The next development in space weather forecasting came in 1939 from Australian Ronald Gorgon Giovanelli. He created a simple formula to determine the probability of a specific sunspot group producing a solar flare, based on the complexity, size, and rate of growth of the group. His formula was based on an observation of nearly 1,400 solar flares occurring over two years, and proved very useful. The radio aspect of space weather saw more advances during World War II. Countries realized the importance of long-distance communications between bases and troops, and so radio scientists and solar astronomers were hired by many countries to make predictions of the best frequencies to use at any given time. With this knowledge, communications could continue on other frequencies, even when the usual ones were experiencing a blackout. This type of forecasting is still in use today, mainly targeted towards pilots, ship captains, and other navigators that rely on HF radio. Today, we know more than ever about space weather. But while we have come a long way in understanding and forecasting it, there is still so much more to learn. For example, we cannot yet predict the occurrence of solar flares, 
we can only give a probability of them occurring. Or again, we can't accurately forecast solar cycles, including the timing and strength of the maxes and mins. Being able to forecast these and other space weather events would give affected groups, such as navigators and technology companies, more time to prepare in case of a strong solar storm, and the technological impacts of that storm would be greatly diminished. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to subscribe and to share it. Also, please consider leaving a review as it helps the podcast get found. I want to let everyone know that I will be changing my release schedule. The show will no longer come out on the second Saturday of each month. Instead, it will be on the third Saturday of the month. I'm doing this because of conflicting summer plans. Finally, if you enjoy this podcast and love learning all about space weather, check out my new blog. There I post space weather news, updates, and forecasts, all updated more frequently than this show. Also, I'll post each podcast's episode transcript for you to read. You can find the blog at space-weather-blog.blogspot.com. The link will be in the description as well. Thank you so much, and see you next time.